Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We return to the Superman family of comics this week as we read a story from issue 370 of Action Comics that was published on the 24th of October 1968. Pizzi, tell everyone about the cover. I certainly shall. At the top, we have the banners that say Superman and Supergirl in Action Comics, and Superman and Supergirl are standing either side of the Action Comics logo. And then underneath that, we have three panels that make up the front cover. And the first one, Superman, hand up at his head, is saying to the reader, A funny thing happened to me during my trip from Krypton to Earth. And in the main panel, we see in the background Krypton exploding, and jetting away from it is baby Kal-El in his rocket ship, and in the trail of his rocket exhaust, as it were, mm. we see a series of dates. You can't make them out in the background, but as they come closer, we can see 1975, 1990, 2010, 2025, 2030. Mm. Jetting into the future. Interesting. And catching Baby Kalil's rocket ship is a giant green hand, almost like a Green Lantern energy construct, which seems to be coming from a far-off distance. Very wispy, the trail leading into it. Yeah. And there's a banner under it that says, featuring Superman's Lost Century. And underneath that, we have the bottom panel. Superman again looking at us, hands up, as if to say, what you gonna do? <laughs> He's saying, I'm missing a hundred years. It's our 10th Neil Adams cover, I should probably say. Oh, excellent. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it's the 10th. I intended <laughs> to keep count. So, yeah, hopefully. What I do like about this cover, mm -hmm. apart from the, the suggestion that Kal-El's rocket ship was intercepted by a Green Lantern, <laughs> is that baby Kal-El just looks kind of completely ambivalent. Uh, he might even be asleep. He just He's not fast. He could he's be. Just like, he's just chilling. Yeah. yeah. A funny thing. It yes. sounds like they set up to a joke, as you said in the preparation, it does. doesn't it? Yeah. Listeners, if you have any idea of a punchline that could come after <laughs> a funny thing happened to me during my trip from Krypton to Earth that is better than I'm missing a hundred years, please get in touch. Yes. It's not the most obvious bit of humour, is it? It's maybe that alternative no. comedy that you, that you hear about nowadays. Indeed. A non-sequitur affair. Anyway, so we jump <laughs> straight into the story. Our opening page has a large splash image with two inset images, one on the left of the page, one on the right. Now, the one on the left shows a drawing of... Well, it's baby Kalel's rocket has landed, and he's been rescued from the rocket, but it's not by who you'd expect. He's been cradled by a dark-haired woman wearing a furry outfit that looks like it's made from animal skins. In the background, we can see a very buff, muscular chap standing holding a spear. Interesting. The caption for this panel says, This is Kalel, Superman, adopted on another world by Stone Age people. And the main large image, which takes up most of this opening splash page, it's a chap, well, he's wearing an outfit that looks very much like Superman's outfit. I'm not going to describe what he's wearing just yet. I'm going to save that until we see it properly in the story, because I think delayed gratification here is is, <laughs> is a big thing. <laughs> this chap who's wearing an outfit that looks very much like Superman is creating a small child, dark hair, look very much like the young Superboy or Superbaby. He's wearing a green unitard, little green cape, and he's waving to the camera. And Superman has his left hand around the waist of a very attractive Blonde lady wearing a very skimpy, floaty dress and fancy pattern tights. Yes. There's a strange-looking, futuristic, blanco, brutalist building in the background. And this large <laughs> image is captioned... Here he is, with 
his wife and son as leader of a great nation. Right, now, the final panel, this second inset panel, it's captioned like so. And here he's an old man hiding out in a world devastated by atomic war. Yes, and we see a man with long white hair and a long straggly beard. We can see the, the ruins of some tree trunks behind him and what looks like a small flying saucer scuffing through the air towards him. There's another bit of text underneath this, and it says, Looks like we have three imaginary stories, right? Well, we haven't. This is one story, and it's the real thing. Yet, even Superman himself doesn't know about this missing episode in his life. He's completely mystified by the puzzle of... 100 100 years! Lost, strayed, strayed, or stolen. stolen! 100 years. Very interesting. Mm. We enter the story properly. Top of page two. Caption of the first panel says, One night in the apartment of Clark Superman Kent. Yes, we see Clark asleep. You can see his glasses on his bedside table. Um, He's obviously having a bad night. He's looking very restless. Because he's saying in his sleep, No, Rua, don't. Why do you hate me so much? Why? The following night, as the Man of Steel sleeps in his Fortress of Solitude... Yeah, it doesn't look anywhere near as comfortable as his bed, it must be said. No. Superman's still talking in his sleep. He's saying, Everyone has turned against me! I'm an outcast! And 24 hours later, back in the apartment... It's another shot of Superman in his bed. We can see his specks in the foreground this time. He's having another restless night, and he's saying, Thal! That's Thal, spelt T-H-O-L. Your theory about me is fantastic! Okay. Slow dissolve caption for the next panel. Panel 4 says, Another night, another nightmare. It's daytime in this panel. Superman is flying out of his bedroom window, flying open at the city, and he's thinking, This is the fourth night in a row I've had weird, unexplainable nightmares. I can remember similar dreams when I was a child. I must find out what caused them. Scant moments after leaving Metropolis, Superman is thousands of miles away in his Arctic fortress, deeply puzzled. Yes. This panel shows Superman examining the rocket that he came to Earth in. And he's thinking, Everything I saw in my nightmares was strange, foreign to me, except this rocket, the one my father, Jor-El, sent me to Earth in. It was damaged when its superfuel exploded shortly after it landed. The rocket is the first and last image I remember in every nightmare. Okay, the final panel of page two then is a caption that says, Then, acting on a hunch, the man of might subjects the rocket to a strange test. Deep in the fortress, we can see Superman operating an equipment bank, old-fashioned-looking computer bank. We can see the rocket is on a sort of dais. There's some dials and the bit of equipment it's been placed upon. You can actually, it's quite. I like the detail here. You can see that the surface of the rocket is cracked in a couple mm-hmm. of spots. It's quite nice. Anyway, yeah. so as he operates this equipment, Big Blue is thinking, I have an odd compulsion to use my matter analyzer to determine the age of this Kryptonian rocket. But why? I already know the answer. And almost in response... To Superman, the caption for the first panel on page three says, Do you, Superman? And this is one of these say-what-you-see panels. Superman's looking at the dial on the equipment, which has a little arrow pointing at what looks like 100. And Supes is thinking, This isn't possible. The gauges don't show it to be a few decades old, as I expected, but over a century. And he looks very moody in the next panel. And he gets a big close-up shadow over his face as he thinks. I was in that rocket during the entire journey from Krypton to Earth, yet I'm not a hundred years old. And my nightmares of people and events on another world 
How are they tied in with this? Will I ever solve this mystery? And at that point, we're interrupted by a big caption in the shape of a scroll, which says, No, there is no way for Superman to find the answer, but you will, reader, sit back as we unravel the most baffling, fantastic story ever told about the Man of Steel. A story he will never know. So the next panel has a caption that says, Let's go back to the time many years ago when Baby Kal-El, the future Superman, is being sent away from exploding Krypton. Yep, that's what we see. Kal-El baby in the rocket. It's flying away. Krypton's exploding. And the caption then for the next panel says, The blast creates a tremendous shockwave that upsets the cosmos surrounding the dying planet, including a nearby space warp which has been drastically affected by the massive disturbance. Yeah, we see the rocket flying towards what looks like a... It's quite a nice rendering of a sort of Aurora Borealis type effect, wouldn't you say? Indeed, yes. Uh It's quite nice. We arrive at the bottom of page three then. The caption for the next panel says... The tiny rocket is drawn into the warp and instantaneously hurled into another universe far different from our own. Yeah, this panel's quite interesting. There's a sort of burst of energy in the top right-hand corner as the rocket seems to emerge through it and we see it flying along more weird shapes and space around it. And then the caption for the final panel of page three says, Soon the ship and its precious cargo are hurtling downward toward the surface of a planet, and it is seen by that world's inhabitants. I like this panel. We're looking out from a cave mouth, it looks like. And we can see some large trees and a silhouette of two figures, presumably a man and a woman, and they're pointing up into the sky where we can see the rocket flying along, leaving a massive flame trail. And with two figures, the man is raising his hand and pointing to the sky, and he's saying, Behold, a fireboat is falling from the stars. We arrive at the top of page four. The art on this page is phenomenal. It's cracking. Right, caption for panel one says, Miraculously, both Rocket and Baby are unharmed as the ship glides down onto the waters of a large lake. We see the rocket scurrying along the surface of the water, a very wide open space. We can see there's some islands in the lake with trees growing on them. There's a tree growing out of the water on the foreground of the panel. The caption for panel two says, For hours the vessel floats, then... Yeah, this is again very moody. We see some figures on a raft paddling up towards the rocket. One of the figures on the raft says, Look, there's the firebolt we saw falling from the sky. And in the next panel, the raft is pulled up beside the rocket. They've got it open. They've got the baby Kal-El out. And there's three cavemen type figures, shall we say. There's a chap with black hair. He's holding the rocket steady. There's a guy with brown hair who looks very like the guy we saw on the opening page. He's passing baby Kal-El to the woman that we saw on the opening page, dark hair, wearing a very, very, very sexy stitched-together fur costume. And as he passes the baby Kal-El over, the gentleman with brown hair says, This is an omen from the gods. And the woman says, Give him to me! Okay, caption for panel four of this page says, And so the infant from Krypton is rescued and adopted by a primitive tribe. It looks like they're all inside some kind of structure here in the foreground of the panel. Baby Kal-El's being sort of snuggled by his adoptive mum. We can see some of the other cave people standing in the background. Some look a bit nervous. One of them's carrying a spear. And this chap carrying the spear says, Look what they brought back from the fireboat. And a cave woman beside him is saying, Then the baby Kriya is holding must have come from the stars. Interesting. So, panel five has a caption that says, Thus Kal-El becomes the son of the lovely Kriya and her husband Thal. Kriya's dead sexy. Anyway, we see little baby Kal-El on a little tuft of grass. Thal and Kriya's adoptive parents looking down at him. And Thal says, Look, Kriya, the baby has hurt himself. 
And we can see he's pointing a little scratch on Kaleo's leg. That's interesting. Kriya says, He scraped his leg against a sharp rock. And another caption concludes page four, saying, Well, one thing's for sure, Kalel did not gain superpowers in that other universe. Interesting. Presumably this planet that he's on doesn't orbit the same kind of sun as us. That's the, mm. the obvious conclusion. So, we arrive at the top of page five. But there's one other member of the family, little Rua, who observes her new baby brother from a distance. Yeah, we're inside a cave for this panel. We can see baby Kalel and his adoptive parents sat close to the fire. And in the foreground of the panel, sort of hiding behind a rock and watching them, is Rua. She's a small, sort of fair-haired-looking girl, and she's thinking to herself, My parents, Kriya and Thal, keep fussing around the baby from the fireboat and forget about me. I do not like that. Mm. The caption for panel two. Soon a ceremony of the flame is held, and the alien baby is officially named. Wow, this is cracking. Kalel and his two adoptive parents are on this sort of wooden structure that's been built, and we can see some of the cave people standing in the background watching. It looks like there's a fire going on below them. Very moody. Might well put this one on the socials. Standing next to Kalel and his adoptive parents, there's a sort of witch doctor looking type figure who's wearing a sort of animal fur costume. It looks as though he's got antlers sticking at the top of his head. He's obviously a senior figure. He's holding up a couple of wooden sticks and sort of crossing them above the family. And as he does this, he says, As the elder prophet, I hereby give this infant the name of Son, the Star Child. So, a slow dissolve. The caption for the next panel says, Several years have passed. The Star Child is now ten years old, and his civilization has advanced remarkably. Yes, but basically, if you can picture it, kids, we're in ancient Greece or ancient Rome. That's the look. We can see mm -hmm. columns and temples and stuff all around, big flights of stairs, and there's a nice cobbled street. And we can see walking along in this panel is Thal and the young son, or Kalel, as he, as he was called, walking along hand in hand. They're wearing Greco-Roman-style toga-type outfits, and Thal is saying, The progress we've made in just the past eight years is staggering, Son. It's hard to believe we were living in caves when we found you. And it all kicks off in the next panel as young Son cries, Look, father! And his adopted father yells, By the moons of Vizzy, a devil dragon is loose in the streets. Its dreaded eye blast can turn a person evil for life. In the background we can see several other Greco-Roman style dressed people running away. And looming up above them all, as very large, scary-looking, crossed between a lizard and an armadillo. We can see it, it has a sort of armoured part to the top of its neck and its back. It's very muscular, human-type hands. Mm, weird. And it's firing pink laser beams at the ground. That's a devil dragon. So there you go. The next panel shows Thal and Son looking up at the creature. Thal cries, No, Son, stay back. Son thinks, I'm a smaller target than anyone else. Over the page to page six, a large panel at the top shows Son leaping out of the way of the devil dragon's eye beams as it fires down towards him. And he's thinking, if I keep moving fast enough, none of the dragon's blasts can connect. Caption for the next panel. Deftly, the lad mounts to the monster's back. Yeah, great shot here. Son has leapt onto the back of the creature, climbed up its neck, and he's hammering at the creature's skull with his clasped fists. It's horrendous. And he's thinking, one of my tutors told me that a devil dragon can be felled by a blow to its only weak spot right here just above its eye as it happens. And the next panel, sure enough, the dragon is out for the count on the ground. A couple of bystanders have come a bit closer. One of them says, That was courageous of you, son, but you might have been killed. And the second one says, It's lucky no one was hit by one of those evil beams. However, caption for the next panel tells us, 
But someone was hit. Let us backtrack a few moments to see a bystander who watched the Devil Dragon from a distance until... Yes, we see the Devil Dragon firing its eye beams and they collide with a young blonde girl who thinks... Ah, I've been struck down by the dragon's evil beam. And there's a caption at the bottom of this panel that says... Yes, the victim is Rua, older sister of Son. Remember everyone, try and keep up Son as who we know as Baby Kal-El. So the caption then for the final panel of page six is the panel's a close-up shot of Rua. The caption at the top says... For several moments, the teenage girl remains stunned, but then she arises, gripped by a sinister, malevolent emotion. Yes, there's a wild, wide-eyed look to her now as she thinks... I feel fine now, and I suddenly find I have a goal in life, to torment and eventually kill my brother Son. Mention in her thoughts there of I Feel Fine, the Beatles' number one hit from 1965. It's not the only Beatles song from 1965 to be mentioned in this comic. Pay attention, listeners, because they'll, be, <laughs> they'll be along very soon. So, we arrive at the top of page seven now, and the caption for the first panel there says... Time moves forward, and the amazing civilization advances into the wonders of the machine age. Yes, we're no longer in the sort of Greco-Roman-looking environment, but instead it looks like a turn-of-the-20th-century sort of American city. We can see people crossing the street, an older-looking man with a hat and a cane, wearing a lady with one of those things shoved up her skirt that makes her bottom look huge that fell out of fashion a long time ago. A bustle. Yes. Hustle, did you say? I'm trying my best. And lots of very old turn-of-the-20th-century motor cars speeding up and down the street. Very interesting. What could be causing this rapid technological advancement? Maybe we'll find out very soon. So, there's a caption for panel two, and it says... Until years later, when the star child has become a young adult, and, by coincidence, because his name begins with an S, he wears an outfit similar to the one he is destined to wear as Superman. Yes, so we see the older son here... Adult male by this point, young adult male. He's wearing a blue, close-fitting shirt, which has the familiar S symbol on it. But instead of being red on yellow, i.e. as John Byrne always puts it, red with a little two yellow fish swimming in opposite directions, it's yellow on black. And he's also wearing a red cape, but the, the fit around his neck is very much like a crew neck jumper type thing. Mm. That's not the half of it, just you wait. He's holding a pair of black boots and he's speaking to a lady wearing a very 60s looking Google check dress. He's holding the boots and he's saying, I want to thank you for these new boots, Rua. They look terrific. And Rua, for it is she, thinks, Wait until you put them on, idiot. And then she says out loud, I'm trying to make amends for all the unkindness I've shown you over the years, son. And then the caption for panel three says, No sooner are the boots on than... And son goes flying into the air. Backwards, we should say. Now, we get a better look at his costume here. Instead of the familiar red underpants or trunks over blue leggings that we're used to, he's wearing, I can only put it as, orange leggings with a black pinstripe. Very much like the Trickster's look, really. The Flash villain, the Trickster. Or if the, the Sixth Doctor, as played by Colin Baker, was into spandex. <laughs> it's a horrendous combination, and I've been trying to convince Peter to make a custom Funko Pop of this <laughs> for a couple of weeks now to stick on the socials, just because it looks murder and you all have to... But, I mean, obviously, we'll be sticking some of these panels <laughs> up so you can see it, but it's, it's grotesque. And this is the outfit mm. that we didn't describe from the opening page. So, yes, Son goes flying backwards into the air, and he says, Hey, what gives? These things are shooting me up into the air. And Rua laughs <laughs> and thinks, I fired the jet-propelled souls by remote control. 
Now I can watch my brother make a fool of himself and hope he doesn't get down in one piece. Yes, and we can see that in her hand she has a little device with a switch on that she's activated. The next panel, we can see now that they were standing on the roof of a building, it seems. The sun is flying up into the air. Rua is thinking in the background. This is priceless. I've never seen anything so funny. <laughs> and a very panicked son flies along and he says, Help! I can't slow down. And in one panel, that's the names of two other Beatles songs from at least 1965, late 64. <laughs> Phenomenal. I've got a thread on Twitter, listeners, at David Steele, where I'm posting occasional comic book panels with the names of Beatles songs in the dialogue and I've already posted the the help slow down one but I hadn't seen the one with I feel fine so I might add that on later this evening so if you see (laughs) that on Twitter that'll tell you when we recorded this episode anyway the final panel of page seven has a caption that says then Son spots a child in peril yes some very irresponsible parenting going on here Son flies along we can see a small child falling off a balcony his mum reaching to try and catch him the little boy cries Mommy, I slipped! And his mum cries, John, he'll be killed! Son, in the background, in a very classic-style Superman pose, spots what's going on and thinks, he sure will, unless I can do something. Something, that's another Beatles song there. (laughs) (laughs) About a year before, no, six, seven months before George Harrison started writing recording it, that's phenomenal. (laughs) Son is thinking, he sure will, unless I can do something. If I can guide these boots to rocket me his way. And then, top of page eight, the caption for the first oddly shaped panel says, A titanic effort of willpower and coordination pays off. And very skillfully, Son flies forward and catches the falling John in his arms. Son is thinking, Phew, close, but I made it. Caption for the next panel says, As the man from Krypton takes the lad for a sky ride. Great panel showing Son flying around with John on his shoulders. John is crying, Whee! And he says, This is fun! But in the foreground of the panel, looking really moody, is Rua, and she's thinking, Blast it! Instead of making a fool out of Son, I've made him into a hero! He learned how to control those boots! Caption for the next panel. Later, when Son visits his father's laboratory... His father's laboratory? Good grief, so we've come a long way! Mm-hmm. In the space of one adult male's life from living in caves, this is fascinating. Yes, we see Son sat on a bench with his shirt off, still wearing his orange leggings with the black pinstripes, <laughs> and he's being examined by his father, who now looks a lot older. His father's wearing a very turn-of-the-60s, early-70s, Century 21 fashions-style outfit, and he's scanning Son with a sort of torch-type device. And as he does this, he says, Ah, this infrared beacon illuminates what must be a field of unique radiation emanating from your body. This proves my theory. What theory, Father Thal? Twenty-five years ago, when we found you, we were a primitive, barbaric people. Now, just a generation later, our civilization has advanced to the brink of manned space travel. We arrive at the bottom of page 8 now, as Son says. And you think I have something to do with it? You caused it. The unknown energy your body keeps radiating has permeated our whole world. It has speeded up our mental evolution to an incredible extent. We have a change of location for the final panel of page 8. A caption says, And monitoring the conversation with a bugging device. It's only that pesky Rua, and a change of outfit, sat as though she's operating some kind of help desk telephone control system, quite frankly. Yes. Coming through the earpiece that she has up the side of her head, we can hear her father's voice saying, As long as you live, son, we'll keep on advancing. Who knows how far we'll progress. 
And as she eavesdrops and operates some buttons, Rua is thinking, Excellent. I'll find a way to use this discovery against my dear brother. Oh, she's a bad egg. A tiny caption says, continued in second page following, we pass an advertisement for the 80-page giant issue 212 of Superman, which I don't own. So we arrive at the top of page nine. Ah, things are becoming a little clearer about one aspect of the cover here, I think. Right, so... The caption for the first panel, page 9, says, When word spreads that Sauron is responsible for the planet's technological wonders, he became a worldwide hero. Yeah, and this panel shows basically a sort of ticker tape parade, Sauron being driven along in a very futuristic looking car by this point. Still wearing the weird combo outfit, although it does look as though the S is red or black, but I think that's just a printing error more than anything else. Mm. The car that he's been driven along in is being piloted, shall we say, by a couple of futuristic-looking policemen, and in front of him is a very futuristic-looking police motorbike. People are waving and cheering. Someone cries from the crowd. Hooray for Son! Someone else cries with a slightly different voice. If it weren't for him, we'd still be living in caves. And a second voice from the crowd shouts. If it weren't for him, we'd still be living in caves. And so... We have another slow dissolve. The caption for panel two of page nine says, Soon after, the adult star child takes a wife. Yes. Now, this is very interesting. Someone is seen here wearing a white collar, but a very loose-fitting black robe. There's a bride beside him, very fancy headdress, and almost a mini-skirt wedding dress with a long white cape. And they're being deliberated over, shall we say, by a priest-type figure wearing an outfit that has wide, billowing sleeves, a fancy headdress with a bit of an eagle-design type thing on it, and he's draping a sort of chain around the happy couple. When he does this, he says, By virtue of this golden chain linking you together, I declare that you, son, and you, Lassil, are husband and wife. Oh, that's nice. Caption for panel three says, as the years pass, Son becomes more and more popular until he is finally nominated for Proctorer or President of his nation. Yeah, we can see a happy crowd all carrying signs. One of them says, Elect Son. Son for Proctorer. Happy cheering crowd. We can see some people applauding behind him. There's a microphone in front. He's standing in front of the crowd with his arms spread and he's saying, I am proud to accept this vote of confidence. I pledge to do my best if elected. And the caption for panel 9 tells us... And he wins! And at this point, we're outside the big fancy building that we saw in the opening splash page. We see Son with his wife, and there's a child, boy-child, standing with him. The little boy says, Is that where we're going to live, Daddy? Son replies, Yes, Vol. That's his son's name, Vol, spelt V-O-L. Very Kryptonian, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Son continues, saying, It's the Wyatt Estate. The official home of the reigning Proctorer, and Mrs. Son, Lasile, says, Meaning you, darling. I'm so proud. The White Estate. Interesting. That's all. Clear yeah. what that's riffing on then, isn't it? Mm hmm. So we arrive then at the top of page 10. Very moody shot of Rua. Caption says, But possessed by the devil dragon's evil, Rua still plots her foster brother's downfall. She's standing over a glass case here. It has, looks like there's a couple of wires attached to it, and there's a pink energy floating around inside. She attends to this bit of equipment. She thinks, At last, the means to destroy Son. This living element based on the energy emitted by the devil dragons can turn the whole planet evil. This paradise of progress will become a nightmare. However, panel two is a caption that says, What? Suddenly? Yeah, we can see the glass of this little tank thing is breaking open with the pink energy spilling out. Rua reacts and thinks, <sighs> The element! It's breaking out of the tank prematurely! 
I'll be hit by its full power. Panel 3, tragically, we see that Rua is down on the ground with the, the pink cloud surrounding her, but also the pink cloud is spilling out the open window as she lies on the floor. Rua is thinking, <laughs> The radiation is killing me, but the living evil has started diffusing. The world will grow wicked and Son will be blamed. Gosh, a caption follows that that says, The dreaded substance spreads over the entire planet and soon takes its full effect. Yeah, it's a montage of several shots here. The first panel is a couple of guys having a fist fight. One of them who looks very much like Richard E. Grant says, Get off my land! And he's punching another fellow who tries to force him off saying, It's not yours, it's mine! The next shot sees a very shady looking fellow pulling a gun on someone that looks as though he works in a shop. The guy in the who works in the shops, recoiling and saying, uh, as the chap with a gun fires at him, saying, This is for refusing to share your profits with our crime federation. The third panel in this little sequence shows a group of men wearing blue military-style uniforms across a large table from some men in purple military-style uniforms. The, the bald, mustachioed figure in blue stands up and says, We will not give in to your demands. And his equivalent in purple, the other side of the table replies, Then we'll strike with our full power. And the final panel of page 10 has a caption that says, And so, the inevitable result of the spread of the living evil is atomic war. And that's what we see. We see some bursting of mushroom clouds and bombs being detonated, causing devastation. Bright red sky, black clouds billowing everywhere. Gosh. Top of page 11 then, the caption for the first panel says, As the once great cities are shattered by war and internal strife, Son, who was not affected by the evil, strives to stop the madness. Yeah, this is very sort of Planet of the Apes style sequel going on here. <laughs> we can see a lot of people, it looks as though they might be underground, I'm not sure, or maybe just the, the sky is just a funny colour. A lot of people obviously injured by the, the events of the war. One guy in a crutch with his leg in bandages, people all sat around. There's a massive big screen in front of them that's projecting an image of Son, who is saying, Put a halt to this needless violence before we wipe out our whole race! And the chap with a crutch and a bandage waves his hand and says, What do you mean, our race, you alien? And then a couple of other people on the other side of the panel, one guy waving a stick, and he says, It's his fault. If not for Son, there'd be no atomic weapons. And the man behind him in a hat is saying, Let's get him! The next panel shows Son still wearing that hideous stripy trousered outfit, running away from an angry mob. One guy waving a stick says, He brought us nothing but misery. Someone else says, after him, don't let him get away. And another chap, very direct and to the point, cries, Kill him! And as he runs away, Son thinks, No use! I might as well try to talk sense to a mad dog! A slow dissolve then. Um, the caption for the next panel. Cautiously, the shattered idol sneaks back to the White Estate, but... Yes, we see the White House equivalent building in the background as, rather worryingly, we see Son's wife and child being moved along by two very shady-looking individuals, one guy in green and yellow with a hat and what looks like a Han Solo-style belt, and another guy carrying a stick. He's dressed in white and purple. Son emerges from whatever it is he's peeking out of, and he thinks, they've taken over the estate, arrested my family. Things are going from bad to worse here. This is terrible. The caption for the next panel on page 11 then says, And so Son begins the life of an outcast, a fugitive. Yes, and this panel is very distressing. We see Son, obviously much older, his clothes are in tatters, you know, big tears in, in his knee, one of his sleeves hanging from his arm. He also looks much older, very thick white beard coming in. And he's being followed, as he tries to shelter, 
by some men with some dogs. One of the men cries, Catch him! Well, the second one cries, There's a big reward for him, dead or alive. Gosh, the final panel of page 11 then is captioned. Yet the man from Krypton manages to evade pursuit. For not a year, not a decade, but for 40 years. This story's a real bummer, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I, hope, I hope the next one we do is a bit more cheerful. It's a very moody shot at the end of page 11 of Son, his uniform now completely in tatters, his hair white, long white beard as he sits there in front of a campfire and he's thinking, I'm nearly out of food. I'll have to try to trap some tomorrow and hope I'm not spotted. It does look so he's eating something here. God knows what. So, over the page, top of page 12. Then, one fateful day, the running and the hiding finally stop. Wow. Now we're back at the other insert panel from the opening splash at this point. A saucer-type aircraft is flying down over what looks like a desert, and we see it at the front of the panel. Son, his face haggard, his hair long, his beard long and white, clothes in rags. He's hauling himself through the devastated landscape, and he's thinking, Ah, oh, can't go on. Having the strength. And a thought bubble comes from the flying saucer device. There he is. I found him at last. And the caption for the next panel says, But Son's captor is not an enemy. It is his son, Vol. Yeah, we see the now adult Vol, and he looks much older than we'd expect. He's got some white coming into his hair, some lines in his forehead. And he carries his aged father over to the flying saucer aircraft, and he thinks, His pulse is irregular. I, I hope I'm not too late. A slow dissolve, the caption for the next panel. Soon at Vol's living quarters. Yeah, it looks as though Vol lives in a big plastic cube. <laughs> we see that Son is stretched out on a bed, covered up with a blanket. He comes to, sees his son, and he says, Vol, is that you, son? Yes, Dad. Don't try to talk. If my apparatus functions properly, you and our civilization will get a second chance. Because I'm your son, I was immune to the evil that overran the world. The next panel looks though Fall is operating some equipment as Son is stretched out in the bed behind him. Fall is saying, My scientific know-how has advanced enough for me to create this rejuvenation booth. It will make you younger. As it does so, our civilization will devolve at the same time. Gosh, that is so bleak. The final panel of page 12 was captioned. Moments later, the wondrous device has done its work. Yes, we see a bawling young Baby Kal-El, restored to the state he was when he arrived in this universe. Vol is carrying him, saying, Stop crying, Dad. You still have a long trip ahead of you, and I must work quickly before my brain devolves. Gosh, we arrive then at page 13, and the caption for the first panel says, Then, in an adjoining room... Wow, this is a great panel. Think of all those images you've seen of Silver Age Jor-El about to place the baby into the rocket as it's about to take off. <laughs> yep, there's a massive open window. The rocket is there on a sort of launching pad. Vol is carrying his now <laughs> infant father to the machine, and he's saying, There it is, your rocket, Dad. We kept it in your original clothes and blankets all this time. Interesting. I've restored it, refueled the turbo engines, and figured out the course needed to send you to your own universe. And the next panel shows the rocket taking off. We see the nose flying towards us, and Vol waves his dad off, saying, Goodbye. I hope you reach your original destination, wherever it is. Those of us who are left can evolve at a normal rate once we return to the caveman state. Gosh, that's so bleak. The next panel shows the rocket flying through space and emerging from the, the wibbly-wobbly Aurora Borealis effect, and indeed there's a caption that confirms that, saying, 
the tiny rocket soon emerges from the space warp in our own solar system. And the caption for panel four. And back in Vol's lab. It's a close-up of Vol, looking very sad and wretched as he says. Father, gone. He ride to sky in great metal arrow. So he's already devolving. That's so depressing. Gosh. Wow. The caption then for panel five says... Soon, the rocket plummets into Earth's atmosphere, just as Jor-El planned. But how is this possible if 100 years have passed since Kal-El left Krypton? Yep, so see what you see. We see the rocket accelerating down towards the United States, and then we reach the final panel of this story, which is very heavily captioned and says... Simple. Time is different in the other universe. A year there is roughly equivalent to a minute here. So, after less than two hours in the space warp, Little Cal lands near Smallville, to be found by the Kents. And we see our old pals, Martha and Jonathan, driving along in their car, see the rocket and the grass behind them. Martha says, Look, Jonathan, a rocket from outer space. And Jonathan says, Jehoshaphat, there's a baby inside. And the closing caption says, The The End. And And the the beginning. beginning. Is that the bleakest story we've done yet? (laughs) Bearing in mind, this is a story for kids. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Your 12 cents. There you go, Freddy Bobby. You're going by. There's your 12 cents. Then go and buy a comic. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was fun. I enjoyed that. It's definitely different. (laughs) A great use of parallel Earths, or parallel worlds, parallel universes, I should say. Do we actually find out that these... No, we don't really, do we? Um, Surface of a planet. Um, it's very mm-hmm. like Earth, obviously, and the the way it evolves is obviously along Earth-type lines, so it might mm-hmm. as well be. It's fascinating. I'm not sure really what it's trying to say. Is it just a tragedy? Pretty much. I like the sort of parallel of Pandora's box mm-hmm. as Rua, you know, unleashed evil on the world. Yes. That was quite interesting. I think I suppose it's just a cautionary tale. I mean, the nuclear war bit, I suppose, sort of says it all, doesn't it? Yes. It's probably mm-hmm. Carrie Bates sort of warning everyone against the <laughs> inevitable path that they were all on in 1968 that was going to lead to a Holocaust. When did mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes come out? That was 68, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I think so, around about then. Huh? Right about then. So mm-hmm. there must have been something in the water, I think. Always is. This is definitely our first post-apocalyptic civilization. I think, we've seen in the podcast (laughs) won't be our last no but yeah it was really interesting the way superman's son basically became jor-el was really fascinating (laughs) yeah that was incredible at the end and i mean here's the thing if you if you take every story at this point as being part of Mm -hmm. an ongoing unfolding continuity that essentially means at this point there's a parallel universe where superman sired a son who then regressed to a caveman and yep with superman's genes and all that sort of stuff does that mean that Mm -hmm. there might be a, a slightly genetically corrupted sort of Superman family tree going on in this other universe? May well be. To the best of your knowledge, is there a sequel to this story? Is it? Has anyone no, ever gone back? No. No one's mentioned <laughs> Pete, this again. Pete laughs as he says that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we write our DC comic. <laughs> yes. This is in the same kind of category as the Moppy story. Right. And that no one ever wants to think about it again, really. But I'm very glad we covered it. It's a fascinating idea. I mean, I like the fact that even though he's not actually Superman and all that sort of stuff in this parallel mm-hmm. universe, he's still comes up with an outfit that wears the S and yeah. all that sort of, you know, has the S on it and still wears a red cape, so he's still recognisably him. He still tries to make things better for everyone. Uh-huh. It also implies that in this uh, world that he's on, they use written English. What, because it's got an S? Yeah. Or is that not just the old Kryptonian symbol for hope type situation? <laughs> this predates this by quite a bit. 
But no, you're right. It's the, the S for Son, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really struck. Just look at how, especially how bleak sort of page 10 was with, you know, Rua's death and then mm. the types of escalation of violence. It was quite something in the air by, you know, what they called Buffalo Springfield, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The Carrie Bates wants to be in a band. Is this is the equivalent of writing a protest song? Pretty much, you know? yeah. It's very interesting. And right, one thing we have to talk about mm-hmm. when we described the cover with the giant green hand that looked like a Green Lantern energy construct, yes. that does not get referenced in the story at all. No, not in the The only green hand we see is on the big Godzilla like lizard yeah. beast. Or the lighting over the, the post apocalyptic crowd. Yeah. The cover gives you the, gives the suggestion that Soups has been deliberately taken. Yes out of time, as it were. Mm-hmm. And obviously that wasn't the case. So, you know, if you were expecting a Green Lantern to start listeners, I do apologise because one didn't. Also, at the end of the story, as stated at the beginning of the story, <laughs> Superman has no idea about what actually happened. Yes. He's still got the conundrum of this hundred years and then yes. he just goes back to his normal business. Yeah. How long <laughs> did he keep having those dreams? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Yeah. And that's another thing. Silver Age Superman didn't have to sleep, yet he's sleeping, or trying to sleep, three nights in a row here. Yeah. Lazy. <laughs> it's almost like Carrie Bates didn't read a Superman comic in his life before he wrote this. I don't know. <laughs> another thing that I've just thought about, actually, mm-hmm. with reference to the cover, you know, in the story, the way that civilization advanced at a rapidly accelerated rate yeah. mm-hmm. because of the effect of Cal. Do you think the, the way the dates rapidly accelerate in the cover is maybe a reference to that aspect of the story? Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a hundred years passing, but yes. We agree on something there, hooray. It's a fascinating story because it's, it's very adult, as you say. You know, it's not a kid's uh-huh. story at all. Especially when the second story is more, you know, Supergirl as a terribly badly treated female character of the 60s and a Kurt Schaffenberger disposable story. It's, it's mm-hmm. The contrast between the two tales mm-hmm. could not be greater, Indeed. quite frankly. Actually, if you ever look at that Supergirl story, listeners, you might. it looks as though Dua Lipa, the, the famous desperately attractive pop star, actually has a crucial role in that story. Especially if you look at the, the last panel on page seven. That was interesting. I bet it's one you weren't expecting, listeners. Another little trip through the multiverse to yet another uncharted universe where something that we didn't know about took place. I did really enjoy Kurt Swan's artwork in it. Yes. It seemed quite different for him. Uh, Yes. First when I was reading it, I didn't recognise it as Kurt Swan, but then it became evident and then I checked it was definitely him. So it was definitely a change of pace, but it's very striking. It's very different. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I think the common sort of thing that we've talked about when we've done Superman family stories so far Mm -hmm. on the podcast has been the disposable quality, the lightweightiness of them, the the lack of any real depth, the lack of any consequence. But this one, it definitely had that. I think it's, it's... Mm-hmm. It's a real bummer. <laughs> oh, I hope there's a funny animal story next week or something just to try and cheer us up. Stay tuned and you'll find out. If you've been affected by the issues raised in this podcast, please email. <laughs> Speaking of mail, shall we move on to the letters page? Yes. Skipping forward then to Action Comics 374 and Metropolis Mailbag. They just print bits from some letters here, a few highlights. So yeah. we're going to read some of the, the collections of highlights that are relevant to the story we've just read. The first paragraph then says... Early returns indicate Action 370 was a real hit. I would like to congratulate you on a great story, writes Martin Pickup, Temple Place, FLA. Martin continues, Why don't you make all your stories as good as 370? We try, Martin, but even Shakespeare couldn't make every play as great as Hamlet. Oh, that's a little bit of false modesty there. <laughs> Paragraph continues, Howard Schwartz, Brooklyn NY, complains that Superman has so many parents, he can't even remember them. There's Jor-El and Lara. Crea and Thal from Action 370. Jonathan and Martha Kent, lots of parents in the recent Super Baby Giant, another set in Adventure 356, and a new pair in Giant Superman 197. Editorial response, true. 
but most of these were people he was with only briefly. Of the three sets of parents who had him for any length of time, only Crea and Thal are forgotten. Yeah, we should talk about Thea and Kroll. Mm-hmm. That's a shame, really. We didn't really see what happened then. Did they grow old and, or did they regress? They burned in nuclear fire. Oh, God, yes, well, they did. That's horrible. Oh, <laughs> angst. Well, I'm actually thought <laughs> Pete's going to read this final little collection of missive moments that says... In your magazines, Superman is constantly being threatened by kryptonite, writes Rock Punch from Charlottesville, VA. The star system of Krypton had to be at least eight light years away from Earth, the distance of the nearest red star. From that far away, it would be unlikely that the Earth system would attract one chunk of kryptonite, much less the tons that have streaked down in the lifetime of Superman. The answer was in Action 370. There's a space warp linking this system and Krypton's. The K got here through the warp. Well, that's quite interesting. There we are. <laughs> and Pete found another letter in Action Comics 375, and it says... Dear Editor, I can say one thing for Superman's lost century. It is the weirdest Superman story I have ever seen. Will Superman ever go through that space warp into the other universe again? If he does, the years that have passed here would be millions of years according to the time scheme of that dimension. What state or civilization have the people on that planet achieved? Or are there people there anymore? If so, do they have any memory of Son? Open bracket Superman. And that's from Leonard Philip Zinna from Brooklyn, New York. And the editorial response is, There's food for thought, all right. Superman left a son in that other universe. By now, he could have millions of descendants. Or, if the race has been wiped out, <laughs> none at all. Ed, so yes, a similar sort of thought. I said, that's <laughs> equally bleak as, as the story, isn't it? Yes. By now, they could all have been wiped out. Gee whiz. Well, that's very exciting. Gosh, well... I'm going to go and watch a couple of Carry On films and a couple of series of Heidi High and the entirety of The Fallen Rise of Reginald Perrin to try and cheer myself up after this. <laughs> I'm going to go and watch Threads because I'm in the mood for that now. So, <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Well. <laughs> for our American listeners, Threads makes the day after look like a naked gun. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well then there's not much more to say is there no um, <laughs> on that bombshell <laughs> yes listeners we hope you enjoyed that episode a bit different to the usual tone oh yes I'm sure Carrie Bates will be back to brighten all of her days up before too long yes he will be back fairly soonish I think with something a bit cheerier so stay tuned stay tuned <laughs> now if you want to tell us what you think about that story you can email us at the Podcast at gmail.com make sure you follow us on social media because we'll be posting up some lovely bonus material for this epic are we? <laughs> yes scraping the barrel is the definition of it this week listeners <laughs> I'll see what I can do in Facebook and Instagram we're at the Earth 2 Podcast and on Twitter we're at podcast underscore Earth 2 so follow us there for all this lovely content yes please do and if you're feeling generous and kind you could go to wherever it is you receive your podcast and give us an encouraging review or if you're feeling more generous and kind you could go to our coffee page and buy us a beverage on that note yes on that bombshell literal bombshell (laughs) (laughs) i've been peter i've been david we'll see you soon on the The earth Earth 2 podcast transmatter cube activated return coordinate set for earth prime a funny thing, it sounds like the set-up to a joke, as you said in the preparation, it does. doesn't it? Yeah. Listeners, Listeners if you can any... think of... Yes, Logopolis. <laughs> <laughs> you say it then. Okay. <laughs>